chapter one of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by kathleen the heavenly twins by sarah g book one childhoods and girlhoods the spring is the pleasantest of the seasons and the young of most animals though far from being completely fashioned afford a more agreeable sensation than the full grown because the imagination is entertained with the promise of something more and does not acquiesce in the present object of the sense burke on the sublime i am inclined to agree with francis galton in believing that education and environment produce only a small effect on the mind of any one and that most of our qualities are innate darwin the heavenly twins chapter one at nineteen evadne looked out of narrow eyes at an untried world inquiringly she wanted to know she found herself forced to put prejudice aside in order to see beneath it deep down into the sacred heart of things where the truth is and the bewildering clash of human precept with human practice ceases to vex and this not of design but of necessity it was a need of her nature to know when she came across something she did not understand a word a phrase or an allusion to a phase of life the thing became a haunting demon only to be exercised by positive knowledge on the subject ages of education ages of hereditary preparation had probably gone to the making of such a mind and rendered its action inevitable for generations knowledge is acquired or rather instilled by force in families but once in a way there comes a child who demands instruction as a right and in her own family evadne appears to have been that child not that she often asked for information her faculty was sufficient to enable her to acquire it without troubling herself or anybody else a word being enough on some subjects to make whole regions of thought intelligible to her it was as if she only required to be reminded of things she had learnt before her mother said she was her most satisfactory child she had been easy of education in the schoolroom she had listened to instruction with interest and intelligence and had apparently accepted every article of faith in god and man which had been offered for her guidance through life with unquestioning confidence at least she had never been heard to object to any time-honored axiom and she did in fact accept them all but only provisionally she wanted to know silent sociable sober and sincere she had walked over the course of her early education and gone on far beyond it with such ease that those in authority over her never suspected the extent to which she had outstripped them it was her father who struck the keynote to which the tune of her early intellectual life was set she was about twelve years old at the time and they were sitting out on the lawn at Frelingay one day after dinner as was their wont in the summer he on this occasion under the influence of a good cigar mellow in mind and moral in sentiment but inclining to be didactic for the moment because the coffee was late she in a receptive mood 
ready to gather silently and store with care in her capacious memory any precept that might fall from his lips to be taken out and tried as opportunity offered where is your mother he asked i don't know father evadne answered i think she is in the drawing-room never say you think my dear about matters of fact he said when it is possible to know it is your business to find out and if you cannot find out you must say you don't know it is moral cowardice injurious to yourself not to own your ignorance and you may also be misleading or unintentionally deceiving someone else how might the moral cowardice of not owning my ignorance be injurious to myself father she asked why don't you see he answered you would suffer in two ways if the habit of inaccuracy became confirmed your own character would deteriorate and by leading people to suppose that you are as wise as themselves you lose opportunities of obtaining useful information they won't tell you things they think you know already evadne bent her brows upon this lesson and reflected and doubtless it was the origin of the verbal accuracy for which she afterward became notable patient investigation had always been a pleasure but from that time forward it became a principle also she understood from what her father had said that to know the facts of life exactly is a positive duty which in a limited sense was what he had intended to teach her but the extent to which she carried the precept would have surprised him her mind was prone to experiment with every item of information it gathered in order to test its practical value if she could turn it to account she treasured it if not she rejected it from whatever source it came but she was not herself aware of any reservation in her manner of accepting instruction the trick was innate and in no way interfered with her faith in her friends which was profound she might have justified it however upon her father's authority for she once heard him say to one of her brothers find out for yourself and form your own opinions a lesson which she had laid to heart also not that her father would have approved of her putting it into practice he was one of those men who believe emphatically that a woman should hold no opinion which is not of masculine origin and the maxims he had for his boys differed materially in many respects from those which he gave to his girls but these precepts of his were after all only matches to evadne which fired whole trains of reflection and lighted her to conclusions quite other than those at which he had arrived himself in this way however he became her principal instructor she had attached herself to him from the time that she could toddle and had acquired from his conversation a proper appreciation of masculine precision of thought if his own statements were not always accurate it was from no want of respect for the value of facts for he was great on the subject and often insisted that a lesson or principle of action is contained in the commonest fact but he snubbed evadne promptly all the same on one occasion when she mentioned a fact of life and drew a principle of action therefrom for herself only confusion comes of women thinking for themselves on social subjects he said you must let me decide all such matters for you or you must refer them to your husband when you come under his control evadne did not pay much attention to this however 
because she remembered another remark of his with which she could not make it agree the remark was that women never had thought for themselves and that therefore it was evident that they could not think and that they should not try now as it is obvious that confusion cannot come of a thing that has never been done the inaccuracy of one or other of these statements was glaring enough to put both out of the argument but what evadne did note was the use of the word control as she grew up she became her father's constant companion in his walks and flattered by her close attention he fell into the way of talking a good deal to her he enjoyed the fine flavor of his own phrase-making and so did she but in such a silent way that nothing ever led him to suspect it was having any but the most desirable effect upon her mind she never attempted to argue and only spoke in order to ask a question on some point which was not clear to her or to make some small comment when he seemed to expect her to do so he often contradicted himself and the fact never escaped her attention but she loved him with a beautiful confidence and her respect remained unshaken when she had to set herself right between his discrepancies she did not dwell on the latter as faults in him but only thought of how wise he was when he warned her to be accurate and felt grateful and in this way she formed her mind upon his sayings and as a direct result of the long informal generally peripatetic lectures to which she listened without prejudice and upon which she brought unsuspected powers of discrimination to bear he had unconsciously made her a more logical reasoning reasonable being than he believed it possible for a woman to be poor papa all that he really knew of his most interesting daughter was that she was growing up a good child physically strong and active morally well educated with a fortunately equable temper and that she owed a great deal to him what precisely was never defined but when the thought of his kindness recurred to him it always suffused him with happiness he was a portly man with a place in the country and a house in town not rich for his position but well off a magistrate and much respected well educated in the ideas of the ancients with whom his own ideas on many subjects stopped short and hardly to be called intellectual a moderate churchman a bigoted conservative narrow and strongly prejudiced rather than highly principled he was quite ignorant of the moral progress of the world at the present time and ready to resent even the upward tendency of evolution when it presented itself to him in the form of any change including of course changes for the better and more especially so if such change threatened to bring about an improvement in the position of women or increase the weight of their influence for good in the world the mere mention of the subject made him rabid and he grew apoplectic whenever he reflected upon the monstrous pretensions of the sex at the present time but the thing that rousted his scorn and indignation most was when a woman ventured to enter any protest against the established order of iniquity he allowed that a certain number of women must of necessity be abandoned and raised no objection to that 
but what he did consider intolerable was that any one woman should make a stand against the degradation of her own sex he thought that immoral he was well enough to live with however this obstinate english country gentleman although without sympathetic insight and liable to become a petty domestic tyrant at any moment sound was what he would have called himself and he was a man to be envied upon the whole for his family loved him and his friends knew no ill of him End of chapter one